Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. Today we revisit border wall construction in Arizona. Construction of President Trump's border wall is continuing along more than 130 miles of Arizona-Mexico border. Since May 2017, Customs and Border Protection has received more than $12 billion for wall building along the southern border. The Office of Inspector General recently issued an audit of the Department of Homeland Security's wall building projects along the southern border as directed via President Trump's executive order in 2017. They found Customs and Border Protection did not properly analyze alternatives to select the most effective and affordable solutions to obtain operational control of the border, instead relying on outdated solutions and crossing data. The report found CBP did not use what they called a sound methodology to identify and prioritize which sections of the border would best benefit from physical barriers and lacked an implementation plan for securing the border. The Office of Inspector General made three recommendations in its report. In its written response, DHS objected to the report's findings and disagreed with the first and third recommendations. The agency said it was following the administration's specific order to build a wall. You can read the full report in the show notes on our website. Customs and Border Protection declined an interview request for this show and did not respond to a request for written comment. Much of the current border wall construction is happening on federally protected lands, like Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument, the San Pedro National Riparian Conservation Area, and the Buenos Aires, San Bernardino, and Cabeza Prieta National Wildlife Refuges. Border security laws created in the early 2000s, like the Secure Fence and the Real ID Acts, have allowed the Secretary of Homeland Security to waive a slate of environmental protections and many other national and local laws. That has led to fervent opposition and several ongoing lawsuits to the walls from environmental groups and local activists. Last week, the Sierra Club and ACLU asked the U.S. Supreme Court to lift a stay it had issued last year, which would have the effect of halting border wall construction because of other legal rulings. Much of the opposition to new border wall construction has focused on one place in particular, the San Pedro River and the national conservation area through which it flows. A few area residents sent us their thoughts on what the river and border construction means to them. This is Megan Connolly, and I'm with my daughter at the San Pedro River outside of Palominas. We come here to relax and play in the water. What do you like about it? I like the fish and the crawdads and the rocks and the leaves. And we love coming here and and we're concerned about the construction over the river. We're concerned that it's going to damage this place that we love coming to. My name is Kate Scott and I'm the director of the Madrian Archipelago Wildlife Center located in the Huachuca Mountains of Santa Cruz and Cochise counties. My concerns are the border wall destruction to our sacred San Pedro River that is happening right now as we speak. We have asked politely to have our concerns addressed, our questions answered, 
and for the Customs Border Patrol outreach team to meet with the community and public officials and share the plan. They are not following any plan. That's completely obvious. The environmental stewardship plans are nowhere to be found, and none of our questions have been addressed. My name is Kimberly Kling, and I live less than two miles from the San Pedro River in Hereford, Arizona. The river has been very important in our lives, and especially for my children who love to go spend time there, playing in the sand, catching crawfish and toads, playing in the water, and sitting under the giant cottonwood trees. It's a place that's extremely special to our hearts and a sanctuary to us in this hot desert. I mean, how do you put in words what you feel in your heart about a river? The San Pedro River is the last free-flowing desert river. It just should be allowed to be valued into and unto itself. I'm concerned about what's happening where the San Pedro meets the international border. That's where the border wall is going up. We're asking that this construction end immediately so that this ecosystem can thrive and not be damaged. Just this one river is the lifeline for two-thirds of the American bird population. They use it as a flyway. This is their highway, their migratory corridor. This structure is a shameful waste of precious resources. It's illegal, according to the Ninth Circuit Court's ruling, and it's a crime to the future of our children who deserve to have wild land such as the San Pedro protected. Nobody wants to have mayhem at the border. We want compassionate, intuitive conservation and immigration policies that value human beings migratory wildlife, clean water, and protected riparian habitat. We love it here and we hope that people will actually listen and do something about it. Those were the voices of Megan Connolly, Kate Scott, and Kimberly Kling. Now the Buzz producer, Ariana Brocious, brings us two more perspectives from Cochise County. In January, Jeff Sturgis and his wife Liz Lopez organized a peaceful protest called Hands Across the River that drew hundreds of area residents to demonstrate their opposition to the border wall planned across the San Pedro River. By early July, construction had begun. You know, the, the obvious thing to just about anybody that's thinking about it is anything that would stop a person will stop uh, animals. So that's one of our big concerns. Um, uh, anything that would stop people is going to stop water. Sturgis and many others say the San Pedro's sleepy flows much of the year belie the torrential floods that occur during monsoon season. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the San Pedro, when you get down there, sometimes it looks just like a ditch until, until we get these huge floods. I've heard reports that the river can be as, as wide as a mile in some places during this flood. So debris is going to build up and cause us tremendous environmental damage. Some say that's already happening. One conservationist filmed a flood on Silver Creek last week as it barreled through wall construction in progress a few miles from the San Bernardino National Wildlife Refuge. After providing nearly no details about the project for months, in June, Customs and Border Protection finally held an invitation-only webinar for limited stakeholders, where they explained the San Pedro wall section will be a bollard-style barrier with gates and a freestanding bridge over the river. 
The gates at the bottom of the wall open to accommodate monsoon floods. But Sturgis says that confounds the barrier's purpose for border security. Uh, the gates would be left open about a quarter of the year, from June to September. Uh, so this $646 million would actually be providing wall protection that they're looking at for only three quarters of a year. Sturgis says that figure, $646 million, is what CBP told him the whole San Pedro project would cost. The Arizona Daily Star reports an estimate of $408 million for all the Cochise County wall projects. CBP did not respond to a request to confirm the actual figure. Regardless, Sturgis says that taxpayer money could be better spent. I did some crunching of numbers, and uh, you could have something like over 180 agents down there 24-7 for 10 years. He says existing technology, like remote cameras and high-tech surveillance towers, already exist along the border and have proven effective, a fact Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels has echoed to AZPM in the past. Sturgis says those technologies and human agents wouldn't cause the environmental destruction he and others predict will result from walling off the river. He's been urging his fellow citizens to contact their local elected officials to ask them to speak out. And we really want people to stand up to the big federal government that is running roughshod over Cochise County and the state. But he's not expecting things will change. I don't have a lot of hope that we can we, that, that the federal government is going to listen to us because they haven't listened to us for for six months or more about our our view. They want to build their wall, and all for the enrichment of private contractors and um, perhaps the political advantage of some people in Washington. Others who live in the borderlands feel differently. Joe and Patricia Celso are ranchers who live about two miles from the international border. They've had their ranch for 25 years, and in that time, Joe Celso says they've seen a lot of illegal crossing. He says federal border crackdowns in the 90s in California and Texas funneled illegal traffic into Arizona. We had about a six-year period that we never got a full night's sleep. About at least four or five, sometimes six times a night, we'd have to call the Border Patrol because we have people coming across our property. We used to have our fences cut, broken, uh, twisted, uh, trash laying all over the place here. Uh, in addition to that, we had drug runners coming through here. And, of course, you have to be careful with them because uh, a lot of them are armed. They don't want to get caught. So, uh, you know, we had to be careful walking or riding around our own property. He says the influx of agents and resources that followed started to make a difference. And then they eventually came in here and started putting a wall up, and that uh, had a significant difference. Celso says in the last 15 years, they've continued to see traffic cross their ranch, though it has slowed recently with President Trump's immigration policies. He's supportive of the new wall barriers. Oh, for it, you know, because they were climbing over the one wall that they built. I haven't seen it personally, but the news media has shown uh, videos of these guys climbing up one side and down the other. They're just like little monkeys. So increasing the, the height of it and the way it's, it's going to be designed is going to make it more and more difficult to get to the top and get over. And uh, for those of us who live down here, we welcome it. He's not concerned the wall will block all animal traffic. He says he hunts deer in the area and hasn't seen major impacts to that population. Those of us that live down here, we don't want to see the wildlife hindered. But I got to tell you what, for our peace of mind and our safety, I have no problem blocking the wildlife. 
He says he's also not concerned about the barrier crossing the San Pedro River because he trusts the design won't block the flow of the water. He's not concerned about the gates being open during summer months because he says Border Patrol can monitor it. And he's supportive of technology as another tool to help control illegal border crossing. You can't park somebody down there 24 hours a day. I mean, that's just not, doesn't make sense. Uh, but if you have technology that you can use to alert you when something's moving down there, then they can respond to it. As to the billions being spent on construction, he says those who oppose the wall don't understand his perspective. The people that are concerned about the cost don't live here. They don't have to put up with this. I have no problem with the cost of building the thing. But Celso says he does think more immigration reform is needed, citing the success of the Bracero guest worker program many decades ago. Uh, if you have a way for people to be able to come up here and work and still go back to their homes in Mexico, I have no problem with that. I think that they can come up with something that will be more equitable and work better for everybody. That was Buzz producer Ariana Brocious talking with Cochise County residents. For millennia, Quito Baquito Springs has sustained wildlife and indigenous communities with fresh water in the Sonoran Desert. But the water source at Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument is in peril. Elisa Resnick reports some worry that ongoing border wall construction may be to blame. Wedged between a sprawl of saguaros and a busy highway in Mexico, Quito Baquito is a tiny desert oasis. The spring flows into a pond just a few paces from the border. Hyachit Atham and the Hana Atham communities lived and passed through here long before the park or the border existed. Amber Lee Ortega has family from both tribes. This is where some of her relatives are buried. It was a traditional homestead for, for Atham, for Hyachit Atham, and that was where they lived. They had huts, they had farms, they had they had ceremonies. Unlike the Thahana Atham, Hyachit Atham are not recognized as a tribe by the U.S. government. Ortega says, for a lot of people, Quito Paquito is one of the last places that feels like home. I can feel like my ancestors there. You just feel them. You feel the history. You feel the stories. You, you hear the songs. There's life. There's history. There's there's strength there. It's our roots. Ortega has been making trips to Quito Paquito every month since August, when the Trump administration's border wall project first started in Oregon Pipe. She says the spring has never looked worse than this month. It's extremely different and it, it, it happened extremely fast. Scientists familiar with the area agree, like University of Arizona agricultural ecologist Gary Napan. I've been going out to Quito Paquito every three months this year and have been going there for 32 years and have never seen it in worse condition. Nabhan is one of over 25 hydrologists, ecologists, and biologists who co-signed a letter to the U.S. government asking for a halt on construction within 10 miles of the desert oasis. The scientists estimate the pond has dropped 15 inches in the last four months, leaving some three-quarters of the remaining pond with less than a foot of water. Park officials and scientists agree there are other factors at play, like long-term drought, leaks in the man-made pond, and agricultural pumping in Mexico. But Napan says... No other factor can explain why the springs have trickled down to their lowest levels just within the last four months. It has to be related to the new well pumping and the dynamiting. Napan says scientists are trying to work with Arizona legislators, tribal leaders, and Park Service officials to save the spring. For The Buzz, I'm Elisa Resnick. 
The Sky Island Alliance is a nonprofit that works to protect mountain ecosystems and different habitats between mountain ranges in the U.S. and Mexico. We talked with program manager Emily Burns, who says they've set up a network of 60 remote cameras along the border, spanning 34 miles on federal and state land. They also put cameras in Mexico. We are really interested in documenting the wildlife community that's living in the borderlands and migrating between Sky Island mountain ranges. There are many species that every year are moving between mountains in Mexico and mountains in southern Arizona. And having cameras on both sides of the border is really critical for us to be able to identify which those species are and what is going to happen to them once border wall construction does cut this habitat in two. What have you found so far? Well, in only 90 days with this cameras with this camera network rolling, we've detected 71 species. We've had a tremendous number of birds and then mammals. We've had 24 different mammal species, including mountain lion, black bear, white-nosed coati, um, skunks that are mostly in Mexico and Central America, but have the northern part of the range here in Southern Arizona, and elf owls, the smallest owl in the world. This is a really important migratory flyway for um, hundreds of bird species that are flying up through North America every year. I'm sure someone hearing this will say, well, birds, no big deal. They can go right over the border wall. But I've also heard that some birds won't do that. That, that's right. The species-by-species species response is going to be different. Some birds, of course, are just going to fly right over, and other smaller birds that do not like to fly up in the open are unlikely to fly over. Um, the elf owl that I mentioned, um, its cousin, a pygmy owl, has been shown not to fly over even shorter, older sections of border wall. Another indirect impact of border wall construction is the depletion of water sources right in the border habitats. A tremendous amount of really precious water in this arid environment is being taken out of the ground, out of springs and wetlands to make the cement to build this wall. And as the water source is depleted, the whole food chain that depends on the water is going to be impacted. How long do you think this uh, camera study will last? Our goal is to keep our cameras rolling even when the border wall comes through this habitat. At the moment, well, in the stretch of border that, ha that is unwalled and still accessible to wildlife, um, we are establishing the baseline of which species have their range and territory there today where they can cross back and forth between the U.S. and Mexico. As border wall construction starts, we will be detecting what sort of impacts this wildlife community is having from that construction. We expect to see animals being repelled from the noise and the microblasting that's being used to carve space for border roads and wall right now. And then in the long term, we want to be assessing what's happening to this wildlife community once the habitat is split in two. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like you're trying to stop wall construction at this point. This is a longer term project, it sounds like. Well, we, we hope in the short term that the American people understanding how many species are at risk right now from border wall construction will cause a movement for us to stand up and say we cannot build the wall here across um, our, our collective backyard that so many animals are moving through. But in the long term, this is rigorous scientific data that we will use to help decide where we need to restore 
wildlife corridors, these pathways through the continent, through North America, um, and where to do that first. Do you think wildlife can survive and adapt with these new walls? I've thought a lot about what happens to these animals once the wall is built. And just to the east of our study site, there is old stretch of wall that's only about 18 feet tall, so 12 feet shorter than the new wall that's being built. And standing at the foot of that wall, I see, I've seen a multitude of species tracks, animal tracks in the ground. I don't know how much energy animals are wasting walking along the wall trying to find places where they can cross through. Um, there are going to be some species that are going to be completely extirpated from either Sonora, Mexico, or the U.S. because their core population is in the other country. There are other species that will be divided, and this is like a major evolutionary event. Is speciation the only option for these species? What's most concerning to us is that wildlife populations in this region are already dealing with so many other threats, Climate change means that these animals need as much open space to move as possible they, so that they can continue to find the next best habitat that will support them. And by cutting off these pathways with the wall, it puts them at serious risk. That was Emily Burns with the Sky Island Alliance. Pima County is the largest of the Arizona counties along the southern border. Sheriff Mark Napier says a lot of the deputy's time is consumed directly and indirectly by border issues, including responding to calls for help from migrants. We asked him if the new border walls will make a difference for his deputies. Well, I think they'll make a difference, but I think the, um, the false perception is that it's a, it's a one-shot fix-all. And that's simply not the case. Um, you know, I've been blasted because I said, you know, three years ago that a wall is a medieval solution to a modern problem. Well, wall by itself, in fact, is exactly that. Um, migrants are going to continue to flow toward the border. Uh, illegal drugs, as long as we have the appetite for them, are going to continue to flood across their border. Um, and so they're going to go where there are openings. And I'm troubled as a humanitarian, as a Christian, because I, I feel that when we build these barriers in easy places, which is where we're building them, where it's topographically easy to do, we're channeling migrant traffic into much more dangerous areas, and we're going to have a lot more rescues. And unfortunately, I think it's going to lead to more migrant deaths. Some of the plans for the new uh, sections of wall, they're starting to do some blasting uh, in some more rugged areas. Do we need 30-foot high walls in those areas? Well, I think where they're, they're building um, physical barriers now is, is based on um, the uh, desires and the strategic application of them directed by uh, federal immigration and those people who understand these pathways uh, where people are coming into the country. So I think there are some thoughtful approaches to that. But again, it's not going to be the one, one fix, uh, especially with respect to drug trafficking. As long as we have an appetite for illegal drugs in this country, there are going to be people that will supply them. And, and the drug cartels are the ultimate entrepreneurial organizations. So they're going to continue to find ways to defeat everything that we do. And the scourge of human trafficking is not going to go away. There's still going to be people who are desperate in Guatemala, uh, Honduras, El Salvador. We know that the COVID crisis is hitting Brazil very, very hard. And that people out of economic and public health necessity are going to want to come to this country. And they're not bad people. Um, that's, you know, the demonization of these folks is something that I, I feel is terrible. Um, they're people making very desperate decisions that are not entirely dissimilar from decisions that you and I might make under similar life circumstance. 
is technology a better answer than the wall? And, and are your deputies out there using technology when they are dealing with border issues? Yes. I mean, the, the, the answer to border security um, is going to be a, a blend of all those things. It's going to be technology thoughtfully applied, uh, which is a lot less expensive than physical barriers. But their physical barriers um, are, are in places where they make sense. And there's been bipartisan agreement on physical barriers in the past. And that's a matter of public record. And then we're going to need human resources because all these things, technology and physical barriers, are going to have to be buttressed by human resource um, interventions. Um, because if you detect activity, you're going to have to have people respond out there. Uh, one of the things that we're doing here at the Sheriff's Department is trying to um, increase our air assets so that we can fly out over those regions and see vast areas uh, from up high. So what do you think of these new border wall construction projects? Are they necessary? Yeah, I, I'm afraid that I know some people on NPR especially will will be angry with me for saying, yes, they are necessary. And I would point out that there's been bipartisan agreement for physical barriers in the past. And we've gotten caught up in this vernacular and this debate about what is a wall, who's going to pay for it, what's it. And all of that has been very unproductive in my estimation. Um, we need to put up physical barriers where they make sense. We need to use technology and human resources where those things make sense. And then we need to use all of those things. Because make no mistake, the the lack of security on our southern border is a is a um, public safety crisis. Most certainly, there's a humanitarian crisis, which I am very very passionate about. I testified before Congress, and try to bring light to the humanitarian aspect of this. There are people dying out there, so this is a very dynamic problem, and it really needs to be separated from partisan ideology. Earlier this year, the Pima County Board of Supervisors rejected the federal grant known as Operation Stone Garden, which the sheriff's office has used for many, many years to help pay for border-related costs. So what's changed in the department since that money is no longer available? Well, we're not able to deploy uh, resources out into the um, rural areas of the county in the same way, way that we did in the past. Um, and so we're missing uh, drug and human trafficking as a result of not being out, out there as much as we should. Um, in that same vein, I'm very proud to say that we have obtained a federal grant, a COPS grant, to hire 10 additional deputies. So we're going to be upfitting uh, the Robles Junction Station. We have a facility out there. And one of the elements of that rural district will be a search and rescue element that will be positioned out you know, next to the Tonal Autumn Reservation because we're really underrepresented out there. Um, Stone Garden will go back before the Board of Supervisors in uh, August, and I'm hopeful that this is about $1.2 million to um, provide additional resources to me so I can deploy resources out there so we can better confront some of these transnational crime problems. That was Pima County Sheriff Mark Napier, who is running for re-election this fall. And that's the buzz this week. Find much more border reporting and all of our episodes on our website at news.azpm.org. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor. Vanessa Ontiveros is our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. And Duncan Moon is the interim news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.